Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. And hello, good morning, good evening, good night, maybe, if you're listening to this at night. Let's be inclusive. Let's say good night as well. My name is Patrick Beja, and you're listening to Pixels, which is a show where we try to give you the important news in the video gaming industry and also give you intelligent analysis. That's what we strive for. And as, as I was saying before we started recording, that's what uh, Mr. Tim Stevens is here for today, because I'm certainly not going to be making any intelligent commentary on anything. Setting expectations uh, high. I like that. <laughs> well, you are, after all, an editor at large at CNET, which, you know, does, it, it is a title that imposes a little bit of uh, gravitas, doesn't it? Uh, it, well, or, or at least a difficulty in location, one or the other, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so you cover mainly <laughs> um, mainly t uh, uh, automotive. What are you doing here? This is a show about video games. What's happening? Yeah, these days I'm definitely leaning more toward cars, but, uh, but I've been a long-time uh, lover of gaming, and, and uh, I was a long-time video game journalist. I got my start writing um, professionally about video games way back in the mid-'90s, uh, and so my, my early career was definitely based on a strong foundation of writing about games and doing game reviews and gaming news and gaming journalism and all that good stuff. And it wasn't until fairly recently that I trans transitioned over to the world of consumer technology uh, and then uh, on to the world of automotive from there. But I still love, uh, still love games and still uh, write about them as much as I can. So you're, you're a grown-up now is what you're saying? I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> but, um, but you play with bigger, bigger, more expensive toys. Exactly. <laughs> um, and actually, so it's, it's funny, or maybe not funny, but interesting. Um, I wanted to do this episode where, you know, in between um, Christmas and the new year, and I figured there's not going to be a huge amount of news, which uh, actually there, there weren't all that many. Um, and I figured I could 
do an episode, a shorter special episode on um, what really, really bothered me during the Xbox announcements um, of the Xbox One announcement of 2013. And I know we've touched a little bit on, uh, uh, on this at uh, in previous episodes of this uh, show, but... The, the I wanted to dive a little bit more in detail uh, about how the uh, communication failings that uh, Microsoft sh uh, uh, displayed had obviously very negative uh, consequences for them, but also maybe negative consequences for the industry as a whole and the way it's advancing in certain areas. And I started researching the announcements and uh, looking for timelines and details because uh, things are a little bit murky in my mind. It's been a year and a half. Um, and I found that you were actually covering this event or portions of it uh, and portions of the controversy at Engadget. So So I figured, yeah, yeah, it was it was a story that I felt very passionately about. So when it was all going down, I was there for the the pre E3 launch event in Seattle when they unveiled the Xbox One, and when we started to get um, some hints at at all this DRM stuff that they were talking about. And I was there at E3 when everything kind of came to a head, and then uh, then yeah, <laughs> it's definitely one of the biggest stories uh, I think when it comes to the current generation of console gaming, and something that's got even even more relevance today. I think with uh, the recent outages that we had over over the Christmas break. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's we'll so we'll get into this uh, at length in a little while um and mostly uh, about the way the importance of communication and even in a way marketing, but in this case even more uh, PR and how you craft the perception of your uh brand uh, product and messaging and how incredibly important this is and um we're going to get into another story that sort of insinuated itself into this episode because um, obviously the universe didn't want to let us just discuss the failings of Microsoft. And so <laughs> it engineered a less spectacular but somewhat impactful uh, failing of uh, Sony as well uh, with the outages of the PSN of the PlayStation networks in the past few days. Uh, and I should say the continuing failings Um, because it's not completely resolved uh, as of the recording of this show, which is Thursday, um, I'm sorry, Tuesday 30th. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. And again, uh, taking an approach of... Uh, PR and communication more than the actual issues, which would be a, a, an entirely different uh, conversation. Before we do that, though, there are a couple of very quick news items. Um, and also it's Christmas, so I figured even though we don't usually do the, oh, I've been playing this game and it's cool portion of uh, po podcasts, which I think everyone else does, uh, I figured, you know, what the hell, we'll just do it this uh, this time because it's... Um, uh, To be quite honest, I was going to say because it's Christmas and people are getting games, but the real reason is that I got a lot of games for Christmas and I wanted to. And you about just that. want to brag, all right? <laughs> exactly. Make us all feel jealous. You might be jealous of my Christmas gift, but we'll we'll wait till we get there. Ooh, all right. Now I'm I'm excited. Um, so <laughs> let's let's do the news items really quickly. Um, The, there are a couple that I selected. Um, the first one is that Nintendo might be gearing up for uh, an announcement of a new console in 2016. And there were ramblings about a, a funny-shaped LCD screen from Sharp uh, that they would be placing an order for. And a lot of people were saying this might be for the new console, but 
it might also make sense for their um, uh, quality of life uh, thing, device, that is going to <laughs> improve your, your sleep, which they announced a couple of uh, months ago or a month ago. Um, so, yeah, new Nintendo, it wouldn't be all that surprising, given the... Um, uh, uh, sales numbers of the Wii U, even though they've right. been getting better and better in the past year. But um, what do you think? Is that weird LCD that's not going to be square or, you know, that might have the shape of a star? Um, is it going to be for a console or for the quality of life thing? Uh, I would think, uh, based on what we've seen so far from this display, I would think probably more for a home console or possibly some sort of a portable system. It's probably too early for them to be releasing a new 3DS type thing, given they just released a new one and haven't even released one uh, in the U.S. yet. Um, but I, I've actually seen this display before. It, it's the same display that is can be found in the current Audi TT dashboard. So there's an interesting tie in between the gaming worlds and the automotive world. <laughs> uh, but they had it on display at SeaTac in Japan uh, this past October. And it is basically, you know, it's still largely rectangular, at least on one side, but it, but it allows for curving shapes and cutouts and things like that. And it'd be a great natural way to, say, make a controller with analog sticks that kind of poke through the middle of the screen or a side of the screen, or kind of a, a new generation Wii U controller that's a little bit more organic and maybe a little bit smaller uh, and a little bit more rounded, I think, than what we see now. So it's not exactly going to be groundbreaking, I think, in terms of what it can do for gaming, but it could result in some more interesting designs for systems. Um, but but yeah, the ones we've seen so far are usually in the you know six or seven inch size, which really wouldn't lend itself to some kind of a wearable type health device. So I would think more along the lines of a an next gen Wii U kind of thing. Hmm. I I would worry that uh, for a console, be it portable or or a living room console, it would be too gimmicky. But I guess mm -hmm. that has never stopped uh, Nintendo. Um, <laughs> Indeed, but the, and it never will. I hope. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it it is a way to 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 uh, stay original, which is uh, uh, has value in itself but the quality of life thing they were talking about a device that you would put on your um sit on your nightstand uh, and that mm -hmm. would uh, analyze your sleep without you having to configure it or do anything um so i'm thinking that might be more appropriate but uh, my money is on the um device but i don't know we'll see um, we shall see indeed the other piece of news was the PlayStation Now uh, debuting on non-Sony devices in 2015, and uh, they will um, the service, which is a video game streaming service, as uh, we've seen a few, um, would uh, debut on Samsung smart TVs and others, probably uh, following that. Uh, so you might not need a uh, PlayStation in the near future. Maybe it's a little bit early still for 2015, but um, let's say a year beyond that, maybe your PlayStation 4 is even going to be somewhat outdated if it works and connectivity is improving, so it might. The only thing is the price of PlayStation now is really high. Um, however, if you can just plug in a controller on your TV and you don't even need to, to pay 400 bucks, um, to, to buy the console, it might be worth paying, you know, uh, 10 bucks to play the game for a month. So, although it's actually more expensive than that currently, but... Um 
Yeah, and I'm sure Sony would love to get out of the hardware business if they could. I mean, this is a long way down the road, but if they can stop having to sell you a box at a loss just to get you to play games, uh, you know, if they can sell you the games directly and have you play a service without having to worry about warranty issues and distribution and all that stuff, that all the headaches that come along with making a new console, I'm sure they'd be happy to do so. But yeah, I think we're still quite a few years down the road before it, it really is a practical replacement for uh, for something like a PlayStation 4. Yeah, if anything, if it happens, which it's still not certain it will, uh, we're going to have to see how the the practicalities of all of this uh, works out. But it's probably going to be by the time we would need a next generation of consoles anyway, so it's a few years away, Mm -hmm. um, it will probably be a a hybrid solution with both uh, existing for a long time. Um, last one is uh, Halo 5 multiplayer uh, is arriving. Uh, it might have already arrived, actually. But the, the thing that I took away from that, there was a, an ad which was stating the price of the Xbox One was now $349. Uh, and I thought it was a bit weird because it was stating it as if it was the official price and we haven't heard a, a price uh, uh, decrease in official one. So I don't know if that was a, a weird temporary thing or if it was uh, a mistake or but it seems i don't know i haven't heard anything so i i I would be surprised if they uh lowered the price of the xbox one without (laughs) announcing it more publicly but uh was a weird thing. And the other thing I wanted to mention was there's been a lot of uh, talks, and I think on, on this show, um, about how uh, publishers are allowing you to pre-order games that you don't even really know what's going to be, you know, if they work or how they look or what they are. And I was sort of being a little bit uh, uh, old rosy and saying, well, you know, it's okay and whatever, you know, you can buy them if you want to, you don't have to. And and I think it was Tom, uh, um, uh, Scott Johnson and uh, Jeff Kanata on the previous episode who were a little bit outraged at those practices. And then I saw that you can uh, pre-order the Halo 5 uh, uh, legendary or whatever edition today for 250 euros. Um, (laughs) And they actually do not tell you what's going to be in it. It's uh, so let me read the quote here. Um, It comes with everything in the limited edition, as well as the limited edition has, you know, other stuff, whatever, Mm -hmm. as well as additional content such as a commemorative uh, numbered statue designed by 343 more details on the design will be shared at a later date and all right you're buying a statue and but it i guess i wanted to to make note of it because that did make me feel a little bit icky uh, in the way that i think it made my co-hosts feel in the previous episode because the price is just so high so maybe it's because i'm just you know more more rich i have lots of money so the price has to be higher for me to feel this thing but uh, yeah that's five times the cost of of the base game more or less yeah. and they don't even promise that you'll get a new helmet for your cat or anything like that so you know it's it's got to include at least that i think at a minimum hopefully yeah and i mean it's it, the argument stands you can choose not to buy it they're not putting a gun mm-hmm. to your head and you know uh, master chief showing up and telling you you have to to get it or he'll shoot you um but still i don't know i wanted to mention it 250 feels weird especially when they're not showing you exactly what it is they should be but yeah absolutely that's that's definitely asking for a lot of commitment from people to just go ahead and make that uh, investment and just expect that you're going to get your money's worth i guess 
I, I'm seeing what they meant, which is uh, in the previous episode, they it's sort of exploiting the excitement of the fans a little bit, a tiny bit. It's like people are so excited that they just want to be able to almost touch it with their mind. And this is sort of a way of doing that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. Let's talk Christmas before we... Uh, <laughs> Let's talk Happy Christmas before we get into uh, sad, <laughs> sad Christmas, Christmas with yeah. PlayStation Network and then um, Xbox One. Uh, what did you get for Christmas? How was your uh, video game Christmas? Uh, my Christmas was great. Uh, I got a, a few smaller things, a couple games here and there. But the biggest thing uh, that I got on the video game side of things was a uh, complete inbox uh, Vectrix console from 1982. Wow! Um, which, if, if if any of you out there are not familiar with it, was a a system that existed for all of I think two years in the very early 80s, which was basically an integrated, it was a console in you know, the ultimate sense of the word, and then it had a display built in and a cartridge slot and the controller built in, and it used, instead of drawing pixels on the screen, it drew uh, vectors. So everything is aligned, basically, and it can do some very interesting things uh, graphically and visually. Uh, if you ever played the old 80s uh, Star Wars uh, TIE Fighter game where you did the trench run where everything was kind of white lines on a back, black background, um, that's the style of graphics that you get from this system. So I wanted one for years, and my wife uh, surprised me by putting one under the Christmas tree. Wow. That is a very a very cool Christmas present. I mean, I guess you're a collector. Um Yeah, or, so, yeah, something like that. I, I just have a, this obsession with, with all the consoles that I wanted as a kid but couldn't get as a kid, so uh-huh. now I'm kind of making it for lost time, which I think is how a lot of people get into collecting. Very cool. Uh, yeah, that's... and. and The, honestly, the, the even cooler thing is that um, your wife uh, hunt, hunted it down and found it for you. That's, uh, uh, she's a keeper. Very, very she nice. She is, yeah. She surprised me with a TurboGrafx uh, two years ago <clears throat> and a uh, Super Nintendo the year before that. So, yeah, she, uh, mm. she's got my number for sure. She's definitely a keeper. So, is she, is she a gamer herself or is she also researching all of those arcane things to you know, make you happy? Uh, she she's she is a gamer, but yeah, it's more to uh, more to keep me happy. I mean, she mm. definitely she's played through Borderlands with me multiple times, and we're actually right. No, I I meant more like, does she even know what she's looking for when she's uh, when she's hunting for a present? No, not with the older systems. No, mm. it's it's more of me mentioning something here or there, and then she goes out oh. and spends hours and hours researching and becomes an expert, and then uh, <laughs> buys the ultimate one for me. Wow. So, so she's great in that regard. Kind of difficult to go uh, bigger than the Vectrex. Um, I don't know what more she can, you know, what the, the next one. Maybe she's just gonna, you know, gonna buy something that has nothing to do with it for next Christmas. Like, yeah, I don't know, probably a watch or something. Take a year off. <laughs> um, And how was your Christmas? So my Christmas was actually very happy because I've been super conservative in the past month, um, having been, um, you know, having recently quit my job to become a, a professional podcaster, as many mm-hmm. listeners know. Um And, and paying the games for myself, I was waiting for Christmas and I gave out a, uh, an Amazon wish list uh, to my family so that they could get me something I would want and not, 
you know, mm-hmm. a sweater, as they do very often. Um, <laughs> some of the sweaters are cool. Um, but uh, and, and I also got a couple of deals uh, out of Steam and Amazon and, you know, the games that were 70 euros uh, three weeks ago uh, are now 50. So uh, I indulged myself and got, uh, between what I got for myself and uh, the, the Christmas presents, I got GTA 5, uh, PS4, PS4. I nice. got um, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. I got Captain Toad, which is surprisingly fun mm. uh, mm-hmm. on the Wii U. And I got Assassin's Creed Unity. And uh, Dragon Age, I, I'm, I only played through the very, very, very beginning, like for 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, these first 10 minutes have not spoken to me they've not whispered in my ear this is your game of the year Um, yeah i'm about i guess four hours into that game at this point and yeah the 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 initial sequence didn't really captivate me that much either and then it felt like it just sort of it just kind of plunks you into this sandbox where you're kind of left Mm -hmm. to do whatever the heck you want to which is good in a lot of ways but you know given it's an rpg uh, I had hoped for it to help me along a little bit more, uh, so I'm feeling a little bit lost. I'm kind of doing some side quests now and trying to find the, the fun stuff at this point. But yeah, I gotta admit, after having so many people tell me how great the game is, yeah, uh, exactly. I'm actually in love with it that myself. Yeah, so that's well for me. It was ten minutes, so it really doesn't mean anything. But uh, <laughs> I've been hearing a couple of you know reports from friends who who are like, really, is it like everyone is saying it's their game of the year? I would. I would expect mm. more, and I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely play more, uh, for sure. Um, I also got GTA V, um, which, mm-hmm. holy poop, it's a, an amazing game. Um, I mean, you definitely feel the uh, old-gen upgrade portion of it, um, mm-hmm. but the I mean, it's just GTA, but better. All of the details, everything you can do, the open-worldness is really mind-boggling and beyond but that's almost expected but beyond that the writing is always as funny as it's ever ever been in gta and maybe even more the um satire the satire of everything like every where you look everything you listen to every cutscene, everything makes you just laugh um i've never been one who to you know I never, I don't play GTA a lot. And when I do, I don't, you know, run over hookers and shoot cops. I play the story, <laughs> which might be, which might sound strange to some of the listeners. You play with morality. I respect that. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I still play the story, which involves shooting cops and robbing mm-hmm. stuff. But um, so anyway, I had a lot of fun and I was really, I don't want to say surprised, but I, I was happy to see that the humor was still very much an important part of GTA. And I think that's something that's uh, too often left out as the controversies inevitably arise uh, when when um, talking about the game in the media or anywhere. It's all about the... Um, the illegal things you can do, which is fair enough. That's a big part of the game, but no one ever mentions how... Uh, satirical it is and how funny it is um so i thought i'd mention it here it's for me it's the most important part of the game and that's why it's so Mm -hmm. good if it was just you know shooting cops and and you know killing people in the street 
Um, I don't think it it would ever get to that level of perfect, you know, uh, admir- uh, critical response, uh, positive response from the media and from um, the public. Yeah, it's been inter- interesting to watch that series evolve and definitely get a lot more. I don't want to say intellectual, but it's certainly to get a lot more smart. Um, and that's hard for a lot of people to think of Grand Theft Auto as being a quote-unquote smart game. But it, it definitely is. You have to look for it, for sure. Um, but if you go out there and if you don't just play it as a mindless shooter, th- there is a lot to it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think you have to look for it all that much. Um, the radio is super fun, and you're listening to that when you're when you're driving, and you're driving a lot mm-hmm. in the game. And the the actual story is very satirical. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I thought, yeah, it, it's worth mentioning again. Uh, Patrick discovers GTA, I guess it's, it's the, <laughs> the episode where Patrick discovers stuff that everyone's known. Um, and so Captain Toad is fun. It's just Nintendo is so cute, so cute. And I think it didn't show as much with the Wii because of the graphical, uh, non HD graphics, but mm. with the Wii U, they're everything they do is so i don't know it's weird to say that it's cute and that i really like it um but looking at captain toad walk around that he's so like i I guess i need to try that because i was not particularly fond of the mini game which that game evolved out of so when they said they were making a full game out of it i wasn't really that excited but yeah i've been reading so much positivity about the game i guess i guess i need to try it out well, if you're talking about the um, the portions that were integrated in uh, Super Mario 3D World, right. it's exactly the same. That, so if you didn't right. like that, I don't think you'll enjoy uh, this one. Um, but I got it for 30 euros, um, which is 40 bucks, I guess, or, you know, mm. maybe 170. Um, yeah, it's $40 here in the US, I just yeah. checked, which isn't too bad. Yeah, and and I thought it was worth it for that. It's definitely not a big game, so. But the one mm. game I really want to talk about that completely made my Christmas is Assassin's Creed Unity. Mm. And again, I'm gonna curse and I apologize for that. But holy poop, <laughs> it is! Oh my god, it's so beautiful, such a beautiful game. I didn't expect this at all. Um, I mean, I had seen the videos, and but you always seen videos for everything. Um, but and maybe this is me discovering the, a true next gen title, and you know, people who have been playing um, infamous Second Son or uh, other games that came out as next gen titles are gonna think think I'm ridiculously silly, but. I, I, I was very surprised. I mean, it's an, another example of communication and brand and product image management gone horribly wrong because obviously the uh, launch is- issues that that game has uh, known, which I really don't want to minimize, they were very important and unacceptable and uh, uh something that should not have happened i don't want to Mm. take anyone you know i don't want anyone to think that i'm saying they that shouldn't be considered that way but they completely overshadowed the quality of the game i'm realizing as i'm playing it that it's not only an excellent game if you like 
Assassin's Creed. It's probably the best one, at least the best one I've played. I haven't played all of them, but it seems to me it's the most uh, varied, the most uh, interesting, the most um, uh, fun to play. It's not perfect by any stretch. It still has Assassin's Creed issues, but and even beyond that, it's such a beautiful game. It's, I mean, they go overboard from time to time because they figured we can put in crowds. So let's put in crowds everywhere. <laughs> and they have like hundreds of Parisians in the streets, uh, you know, uh, uh, demonstrations and burning things. And like, and there's, it's like uh, everywhere you look, there's a crowd of dozens of people. And in front of Notre Dame, there's probably hundreds of them. And the, the architecture and the detail and like it's it's my first it's it's this holy poop moment of a next gen. And I don't think I haven't seen that before. And I've played a few games, you know, on, on my PS4. Um, and honestly, it should have been the crowning achievement of Ubisoft. It's uh, even more because it's in Paris and Ubisoft is a French company. And maybe mm. that affects me a little bit as well because it's Paris and it's a city I know, even though during the revolution, it was very, very different. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it should have been a crowning achievement. It's a wonderful game. And because of the issues, uh, it became, all of it became about the issues and no one talked about the game's quality. Um, and it's really a shame because it's excellent. Uh, it, yeah, of course, I, if you I hate to admit, that, that completely, completely turned me off of mm. the game, just reading about all the issues. And, you, you know, it's something that I, I may come back to down the road at some point. But, you know, I don't have an awful lot of time for gaming, despite mm. the fact that we've been talking about how many games we've been playing lately. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was kind of between that and Far Cry 4 f for me. Um, and, and given all the issues with, with that game and my love for Far Cry 3, uh, I decided to pick up Far Cry 4 instead. Uh, and I've been very, very happy with that. Um, but, yeah, the, the issues that they've been having... I mean, it's just, uh, it, it frustrates me so much to, to see how much the, the, the notion of games being rushed out is just kind of an expected fact of life at this point. And we were talking about, you know, incentivizing gamers to pre-order titles. And if anything, you know, th these sorts of incidents are just really driving it home that you should never pre-order a game going forward. Of There's course. really no reason to, especially with games getting discounted as quickly as they have been. I mean, I picked up Far Cry 4, I think, three weeks after it released. And I saved $15 over the, the cost of uh, what it was new. Yeah, That's not that long to wait at all. So, you know, it, it just seems to, to be another compelling reason to go ahead and wait a couple of weeks, wait for them to actually finish the thing that they should have fixed um, <laughs> before put, stamping it onto a disc. Uh, and then and then pick it up. But yeah, I, I do plan on playing uh, Assassin's Creed a little bit down the road sometime in the new year. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was I was very turned off by the issues. It was very disappointing, and also very disappointing the the lack of a, a you know a transparent response from Ubisoft uh, in the beginning. Yeah, and that's completely fair. Um, it you know the the criticism and all of this uh, is uh, again I don't want to diminish that, but. I think now the game is fixed, and if you haven't been interested, if you've been turned off before, uh, I'm telling you, this is a, a, a showcase game. It's a game that you can show your friends, and like I have a friend who does uh, CG for, for a living. He's a computer graphic um, mm. expert, mm -hmm. and I was sure I was going to show it to him, and he was going to tell me like, oh, but yeah, this is kind of okay, but they don't <laughs> use the specular blah, blah, blah here, mm -hmm. and the texture mapping here is blah, 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 and, I, and he actually looked at it and was stunned as well. He was like, wow, okay, that's... Mm actually kind of impressive um and you know they, they also it's not just the graphics even though that's the most of it it's also 
little bits of things that break up the the gameplay uh, that let you do different things. I think it's a lot less dull than other Assassin's mm. Creed games. Um, mm -hmm. Some unexpected stuff that happens that I don't want to spoil, but um, that make it a, a more fun uh, experience. So, I don't know. Anyway, if, if you think you might be interested, now's the time to check it out. And uh, for me, it was a real surprise. And, and it's too bad that the launch issues have overshadowed completely the quality of the game because we no one spoke about the fact that it was a good game. Admittedly, maybe because they couldn't play it, which might hamper your ability to That's enjoy it. That's just a fair, fair assessment, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that was my Christmas. It's been fun. Um, and for a lot of people, and including myself to an extent, actually, um, a, a not fun portion of it was the PSN issues uh, that plagued Christmas Day. And I say PSN uh, because although there was a DDoS uh, attack, a distributed denial of service attack that uh, affected Xbox Live and PlayStation Network on the 25th, um, once the DDoS attack ceased for reasons that anger me and I don't want to get into here... Um, Xbox Live came back on, and PSN didn't. Um, the PlayStation Network uh, continued to be offline for at least two to three days. It came back up, then went back down. Uh, between the 25th, I'd say it, came, it was more up than down around the uh, early Sunday 28th. So there was a good chunk of two or three days where... Everyone who has just who had just gotten a PlayStation, or just people who were, uh, you know, finally having time during the holidays to enjoy the games that they had been putting off because they were working, people could not play online. Um, so games like Assassin's Creed. Thankfully, I downloaded the patch <laughs> uh, by some miracle at a point where, in, uh, you know, on the twenty fourth when I got it, I put it in the the machine. And downloaded the pack, uh, the patch, and one hour mm. for installing GTA Five. What the hell? Anyway, wow. that that was weird. Um, and and so beyond that, people could not play online. And some of the uh, game like uh, Assassin's Creed has a lot of online uh, portions. Uh, GTA Five has a lot of online portions. Uh, basically, all of the games have online portions, um, right. and none of this was available. And, of course, people who just got their machines could not play them for, for a few days. DDoS attack, I can understand. You shut your mouth, you fix it, you wait until it passes. If it's just a few hours, okay. But the thing that really irked me um, was the complete lack of... Maybe that's unfair. The uh, lack of appropriate communication from Sony. Um, Before I uh, give you the, the talking stick, um, I just want to say, I just want to get the exact message that was basically on a loop from the PlayStation uh, CS customer support uh, account on Twitter. And basically what they were saying were variations of, our engineers are continuing to work hard to resolve the network issues users have experienced today. Thank you for your continued patience. And that was basically the only information that players got from out of Sony for two days until right. um, 
Catherine uh, Jensen posted a message on the uh, PlayStation blog. Uh, she's the VP of uh, Consumer Experience for uh, Sony Computer Entertainment America. And that was on the 27th. So two full days after the uh, outages began. And she said, uh, the video game industry has been experiencing high levels of traffic designed to disrupt connectivity and online gameplay. So that's basically, we've had a DDoS. Multiple networks, Xbox Live, including PSN, have been affected over the last 48 hours. And that's a very careful uh, statement. It's true that over the past 48 hours, Xbox Live has been affected as well, except Xbox Live came back when the DDoS attacks stopped and PlayStation uh, Network didn't. Or at least that's what I'm assuming, because it might have been that PlayStation Network uh, was attacked in a different way, um, but we don't know. Um, so I'm mm -hmm. only assuming through things that came to light that might be incomplete information. Um, but it's, I think... It's fair to assume this, given the information we know, that seems fairly complete. And then she says, PSN engineers are working hard to restore full network uh, access and online gameplay as quickly as possible. Blah, 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 blah. Basically, she's not saying a lot. And I think there has been a deficit of communication in that whole affair, especially when you look at what Blizzard has done um, when they were having issues at the launch of um, of uh, Warlords of Draenor with uh, very active uh, community managers on Twitter and elsewhere and an active thread um, on their forums with uh, hourly updates that were providing you with... With a lot of information. Uh, basically, they were telling you what was going wrong. Um, they were saying instant servers are timing out. Uh, we have continent servers issues. Um, uh, we... What, what else were they saying? Um, uh, there was a DDoS attack. They, they said it. Um, so we temporarily lowered maximum realm population. So you have higher queue times uh, on high population realms. We have instance issues, blah, blah, blah. And they were saying hour by hour or, you know, every couple of hours, uh, this is what we're doing to uh, improve uh, the issues. We have greater realm stability, but the um, service issues impacting latency uh, and addressing the service issues impacting latency. Um, we're seeing increased individual zone drop, which are causing localized player disconnection anyway i don't want to get too much into that because that's not the point but my point is that when you have such a critical moment in your product cycle as the christmas uh, uh time you should make sure that you do everything in your power to mitigate the frustration that your customers are going to experience. And it seems to me that with that singular message that didn't convey any information, uh, Sony did not do that uh, at all. And they uh, eroded a lot of uh, brand capital and goodwill from their customers uh, in doing that. And it was very frustrating um, for a lot of people. Am I off the mark or am, am I being too harsh? Or what do you think? No, no, um, absolutely on the mark. They were so silent that I have to wonder if maybe they weren't struggling to get people to come back from Christmas vacation to actually be able to communicate a message. That's the only thing I can think of that would explain why they were so 
incredibly silent. Um, you know, the things that were posting on Twitter were the sorts of things that you would expect to hear if you're waiting uh, for a customer service agent on the phone and they keep playing back the recorded, your business is important to us. Thank you for waiting. Please don't hang up. Uh, <laughs> and those things are infuriating to everybody. So why they would think that anybody would be in any way placated by those sorts of messages on Twitter um, is is absolutely beyond me. Um, so that's that's the only thing that I'm willing to give them a little bit of slack for. But, you know, beyond that, it might be a case of them not wanting to encourage anything or perhaps even not give more information to the attackers, perhaps. But, but you know, there's a way to give some amount of information to people to tell them what's going on and to at least give them some indication of exactly, you know, how difficult a battle this is for Sony without, you know, opening up the door to, to further attacks. And, and as you said, Blizzard definitely did a very good job of that when they were having issues uh, just a couple months ago, um, or just one month ago, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, Sony dropped the ball here in a big way. Uh, and, and the fact that the system is still not up and operational 100% for everybody is, is kind of mind-boggling to me. That's, I, I mean... You're you're right that we th- there might be reasons for their silence reasons that I also came to the conclusion that you know they were having a hard time getting a hold of their VPs <laughs> to get approval on their communication which honestly when you're when you're in that situation I don't think is very excusable if you're paid a lot to th- that's exactly the reason you're paid a lot, right? For when, if you're a VP, I'm guessing they're taking home a lot of money. And the reason is that when there's a problem, you have to get shit done. Um, and again, we're assuming... There was a problem. It, yeah, a there definitely problem. was a problem. And we're assuming maybe they were completely on the ball and, you know, on the phone and there were different issues um, preventing them from sending the, the, the messaging that they wanted to send. And maybe there's a very good reason behind all of this. But my gut just tells me that there would have been a better way of communicating on these issues and um, on uh, to to mitigate again the frustration that all of their customers were um, experiencing at that point. So, uh, being prudent, we do have to say that this there might be reasons. Um, and sometimes things go wrong and a million things go wrong. But Sony has had issues in the past. Sony Computer has had issues in the past with the infamous um, PlayStation Network outage that lasted you mm-hmm. know, a lot longer. So they mm-hmm. should have been ready for these kinds of things. So anyway, yeah, especially it's, since it's, uh, the, the group that did the DDoS announced they were going to do it. So they should have been prepared 100%. Anyway, yeah, it, Sony's obviously in the crosshairs right now, and I wouldn't be surprised if there were other groups that kind of joined in later on and, and mm. ultimately only focused on Sony and, <clears throat> and didn't focus on Microsoft, which is interesting that, that a group of hackers would prefer to attack Sony than Microsoft, but I guess that's a topic <laughs> for another podcast. But yeah, we, we ultimately don't know the full story, but but the reaction from Sony is what we do know. You know, we, we absolutely know the public response from Sony, and we can absolutely say conclusively that that response was not adequate, especially given, mm. you know, this was not a, a minor outage. This was not a minor inconvenience. This is, you know, some kid on Christmas morning who's wanted a PlayStation 4 for months and months and months, and finally there it is, and now, you know, his world is ruined because he can't uh, play it. And now his parents' world is ruined because they, you know, may have saved up for the system, and now their kid is screaming and crying because they can't do it. And it sounds kind of petty, but ultimately, you know, it's it's the nature of the holiday in, in a lot of ways, and it's 
It was a very unfortunate thing. Uh, so I, you know, I felt bad for a lot of kids and a lot of grown-ups too who weren't able to play uh, their new system over the weekend. And uh, I, I do hope that we see some kind of response from Sony with a little bit more information. And I hope that they are learning from all these things and they can not only button their systems down a bit better, but also uh, dial up their communication a bit better too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely first world problems for sure. But what do you want? We're talking about video games. That's sure. what we do on this show. So uh, if you want to have, you know, a, a more serious conversation, go listen to the Phileas Club where we talk about, you know, the ruble with Russians on the show and Americans and we reopen <laughs> the Cold War. That's what we do on that show. It's on the same uh, site as this one. So frenchspin.com for serious stuff. Um, so before we move on to the uh, other infamous thing that I wanted to, to talk about, the Xbox One announcements, um, what do you think is going to happen in the end uh, for they have to make it up to their customers. Do you think it's going to be, uh, let's speculate on what they're going to offer. My speculation is, one or two weeks of free PS Plus, PlayStation Plus membership for everyone, I'm guessing. Um, and uh, possibly Infamous Second Son for free and another game. I, I feel Infamous is a game that they own. Uh, it's first party, so um, they can they can, you know, give it away more easily. I'm guessing that's what's going to happen with another game or a choice between two games. Yeah, I would say something like that. I don't think it'll be as impressive a list as it was after the PSN outage from a couple of years ago, which honestly that list wasn't that impressive to begin with. Um, but yeah, it'll be something like a couple of weeks of PSN plus um, maybe one of the, 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 the plus games for free, um, you know, but yeah, I think Second Son is probably as good a guess as anything at this point. Um, but I don't yeah. think it's going to be uh, anything that will, you know, assuage the pain yeah. of, of people who couldn't put their system on, on Christmas Day. And I, I would love to see some retailer give us some indication of how many consoles came back the day after Christmas uh, because kids couldn't get online with the thing. I'd love to, because that was the one thing that they were very clear to point out in that message that, that you read was that this is not an issue with the PlayStation Network. This is only yeah. temporary. Um, you know, This is not is, how your PlayStation right. works. Right, basically them on their knees saying, don't return your console, yeah. please just keep it and it'll be working soon, I promise. And maybe in the end, you know, we don't know what caused the continued issues with the PlayStation Network. It might be that they've sold so many of those um, that they weren't expecting uh, the network to be uh, that active. Uh, that was mm. certainly a contributing factor to the um, uh, Warlords of Draenor issues in, you know, uh, last month. Um, mm. So it might be that they've sold a lot of those. It, it would be surprising that they sold so many that it brought down the entire network. But um yeah, I guess we'll hear more. Uh, we'll know more about all of this when we hear the numbers um, uh, of consoles sold on the holiday season. And I guess in the, this bad situation, um, PlayStation games could still be played uh, offline. Uh, but the Xbox, the new Xbox Ones, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they need to be connected to the X, to the internet at least once before you can do anything with them. Um, right. So it, and it, it's it good that it didn't uh, last I so long for Xbox I actually had a hard time getting, even to play offline games like, like Far Cry or, or Dragon Age, I was trying to play mm -hmm. them offline. And the system wouldn't let me launch those games, even though they're single-player games. I had to manually go in and tell my PlayStation to not try to connect to the internet oh. before I was able to play those games, which was interesting to me. The, the first time mm -hmm. I logged in and just said, can't connect to server, um, too bad you can't play, uh, which was oh. interesting to me considering these are offline games. You know, They have online components, but you shouldn't have to be online to play them. But yeah, I had to go into the PlayStation 4 settings, tell it to not try to connect to the internet. And only then could I go back 
back in the game and actually launch it. Um, but but yeah, in terms of that initial update, uh, yeah, if you don't have that, you're not going to get too far. I think without the system. Yeah, that's weird. I, I could play just without the online components for GTA and for um, um, Dragon Age. Maybe it's because huh. it was just the beginning. But um, hmm. anyway. All right, let's move on now that we've been really mean with uh, Sony. Let's be really mean <laughs> with um, Microsoft and make friends in the entire industry. Um, yes, make everybody so, hate us. <laughs> so, as everyone knows, uh, the Xbox One was announced in May of 2013 um, with a somewhat lukewarm response to the main um, topic of the reveal, uh, which was summarized for <laughs> eternity by uh, YouTube user Darkbeat, who created this video, if you remember. TV, TV, watch TV, it's TV, TV, TV remote, TV experience, TV, 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 sports TV, TV, TV. And Anybody? The fun part comes. TV, 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 <laughs> Xbox, go home. TV, 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 TV. So there's another television, 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 TV, 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 TV. No. For Call of Duty, Call oh, of right. Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, an entirely new Call of Duty. Television, so, TV, they TV, did TV, speak TV. about television. Xbox is about there was to become a portion about sports, which I can't find sports, in the video now. Oh, there television, 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 television. No. I'm thrilled to announce a live television, TV, sports, 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 yeah. television, TV, 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 TV. <laughs> anyway, you get the picture. Uh, it was television, television, sports, 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 Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, and uh, Call of Duty Dog. So it's not like they didn't talk about games it was definitely a very um consumer uh, focused event um with call of duty and or i should say an american consumer focused event with call of duty mm -hmm. and uh ea that went big on on sports and that whole tv thing which that so to talk about messaging um, as a whole, especially if you look at the intro to the um, full press conference, maybe I can find it here. Um, there was a a clear focus on the wider public, um, and we can right. listen to it here if you want uh, for just a second. <clears throat> Because I think it's really interesting the way they chose to craft their message, which was the basis of their uh, the bad reception of the the, the public. By bringing um, gaming to life. So listen to this. To gaming. Story. Character. Real emotion. Then we added you. Me. 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 Definitely me. Me. And 40 million of our closest friends. And with every person we added, the world we created became richer. Filled with more joy, adrenaline, and excitement. And the so, more of you we put even in if you can't see the video, I guess uh, most gamers listening to this are going to hear it and think, well, this is fluff. This doesn't really mean anything. It's a lot of marketing terms uh, which are designed to make people think, make people who don't really know a lot about gaming think, oh, okay, this is good stuff 
right? It's me and it's a lot of people playing together, having fun. And it doesn't tell you anything about the, the announcement or the system or the things that the core audience, which is going to be the brands and the products ambassadors, uh, are going to want to hear. And I think the first mistake they made um, was to target their announcement uh, not to their core fa fan base. Beyond the content of the announcement, uh, the, the crafting of the messaging was uh, to a group of people they should have started addressing later down the line. Right. If anything, I think that they thought that hardcore gamers would just expect that there'd be a lot of games, so therefore they were going to go ahead and talk about all the exciting and new things that the system could do that the current the that the Xbox 360 could not do. So they focused on the TV stuff, they focused on the family sharing stuff and and you know, when it comes to those sorts of things, those are great, but ultimately, you know, gamers want to get excited about What do the new games look like? What kind of new experiences can you get from these systems? And, you know, I think that the Microsoft engineers and, and the PR folks were so excited about all these new features. They let that kind of push the new gaming news and push all that stuff out of the way. And so they kind of lost the message. And, and what they came out with obviously was not what people were looking for. And, and it was interesting because they came into that next-gen console battle with so much goodwill behind them because mm -hmm. the, you know, the issues that Sony had, Microsoft came out strong, the Xbox 360 was a great system that did really well for them, uh, and then they just fell right on their face. Uh, and Sony came right out at the PS4 launch event that was not too long <laughs> after that. All they did was talk about games, and it, it just set Sony right up to, uh, to really step forward and kind of take a big step into this next generation. And I guess at that point, um, there were a lot of issues with the announcement of the Xbox One, but it was May 21st, I believe, for the Xbox, and uh, E3 was right around the corner. So there was still a little bit of hope uh, in gamers' minds. They were thinking, mm -hmm. all right, this is like the consumer announcement, whatever, we're going to get lots of stuff at uh, the E3 press conference, and we're going to get tons of games, which... To be fair, we kind of did, but by then it was right. too late because a bunch of other issues uh, showed their head. Uh, and I, so I watched the reveal press conference uh, in preparation for this episode, and I was very surprised to find that there, the, the core issues uh, I wanted to discuss here because... Um, so, yeah, a couple of things we should say. First of all, you know, when you look at it, Now, uh, you have 2020 vision, obviously. Uh, in hindsight, everything looks absolutely uh, clear that this was a mistake. I'm sure uh, they, 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 before that, we might not have realized that this was the wrong way to go had we been in these meetings uh, with the executives deciding the, the message. But mm -hmm. I think we might have seen it but <laughs> but maybe not let's, let's so. be honest yeah um but so the the whole tv thing is pretty obvious it was the issue was this is not what gamers wanted to hear this they wanted to they needed to be convinced before the other people and that's i think fairly agreed upon that's the consensus of the one of the key issues that plagued that that reveal but uh, another issue was that of drms and The uh, question of whether or not you could trade your games, whether or not you could play offline, whether or not uh, games uh, could be resold, uh, was actually not addressed at all in that press conference. Uh, and when I watched it, I kept waiting for it to, to happen. And unless I missed it, which is always possible, it was not discussed at all in the, in the press conference. It only no, it, came... It, it wasn't. Oh, go ahead. 
basically, you know, they they mentioned some of the things that that DRM would allow you to do, the family sharing and some things like that. But really, they didn't get into much detail about it. And I think that honestly, they didn't think that anybody would even pick up on that at all. Uh, <clears throat> right after the presentation, a lot of uh, we journalists were ushered into, uh, you know, behind closed doors meetings with executives and engineers and that kind of thing. And that is where the story started to build of of what exactly this. Um, the system that they were building would entail in terms of what you can do with it and what it would require from you. So that was when we started to learn things like, um, you know, being able to play games without having the, the actual disc in the machine, which which was one of the first things that I learned. And I was actually pretty excited about it because, you know, if you are in a situation where you're playing two games and you're going back and forth between one and the other, it, it is, again, we're talking first world problems. It's a little bit annoying. I had to get up and swap discs every oh, now and Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I, I want yeah. all my games to be on my hard drive. I don't ever want to get up and, and switch a disc ever again. Right. So Microsoft was very excited about the the potential for you to not have to have to do that. I spoke with Albert Pinello, who was one of the engineers uh, behind the system, and he was he said that, that was one of the things that they were uh, very eager to have at the beginning of the system was for you to be able to buy a game, even if it's on a disc, and not have to have that disc in there. Um, so they talked about the high points, but then ultimately when you started to ask more questions about how does that work, does that mean there's an ID on each disc, uh, and then what does that mean when it comes to reselling those discs, and how long do you need to be online? It was pretty clear that people didn't even have the answers to those questions at that May event. Um, you know, people didn't really know how often it had to be online to, to check to make sure. Uh, they didn't know whether you'd be able to sell those discs again. And we wound up getting different responses from different people. Um, so if you were there watching the news coming out of that event on that day, there were a lot of conflicting reports about how often you had to be online. There was one report that said you had to be online once a week. There was another report that said you had to be online every day. There were reports that said you can resell your games. You just had to deactivate them from your account first. Other accounts said you can't resell them. Uh, there was a lot of misinformation going back and forth, and that wasn't really the fault of the journalists. That was the fault of the Microsoft's employees not really knowing because I frankly think they didn't think that anybody would care. Nobody would ask about that, and they would talk about that at E3. So it seems that, uh, the, that that was the other leg of the um, disastrous announcement. Uh, it was the fact that the messaging, again, was not crafted carefully enough. Um, I mean, when you go into such a, a momentous uh, event for your company, you have to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted, especially mm -hmm. those things that you think might be uh, uh, controversial uh, if they are asked, even if there is, a, a, you know, a chance in, in a thousand that it will be asked. And you have to make sure that all of the spokespeople have consistent messaging and consistent information because... What happens if you don't is that not only is there confusion in the uh, public eye, but there's also the space left for speculation and right. you abandon the control of your own messaging. It, the, the, the control goes into the hands of either the journalists who are also confused because they're not getting the, the you know consistent answers or even worse, uh, your customers slash the internet. And we all know what happens then. Um, so the clarity of the messaging is essential in these types of uh, events. And it irked me even more. Sorry, Tim, uh, did you want to add to this? No, no, go ahead. Um, so it irked me even more because essentially the question that Microsoft was addressing with all of this was a very important one. And 
it feels like we've been robbed of the opportunity to discuss this uh, topic because of that failing in messaging. Um, and the topic that they were trying to address was, what do we do with uh, games that are purchased digitally? And that's a super important question. Uh, mm-hmm. And every it feels to me, the way I understand it, I might be mistaken, obviously I'm not a, 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 an Xbox engineer, but it feels to me that everything we've seen and heard about came from that question because of course as we know uh in the coming years probably in this generation of consoles in the next two three years we're gonna have more and more uh games purchased uh, digitally and it would be i think important to revisit the way we're uh, handling those uh, the rights that we have for those the digital rights management which by the way is not an evil thing netflix and uh, spotify and all of those are possible because of drm bad use of drm is horrible uh, good use of drm could be great like for example the possibility for you to uh, lend a game to a friend uh, even though it's on your hard drive on your xbox which was one of the things that you could do with this which supposedly you could do with this system Um, so they were saying uh, from the different reports including yours tim which i read um, the way it would have worked ultimately was that a um, disc a game bought physically would work in the same way that a game uh, bought digitally would if you associated it with your uh, xbox account And if you wanted it to work like a disc, you could disassociate it. And maybe you had to associate it when you wanted to play it. And then, you know, um, you had to disassociate it uh, after you were done if you wanted to sell it. But they would work the same way, meaning that you could lend it to a friend digitally so they could play it uh, if they wanted. Um, You could share your whole library with 10 of your friends. That's one of the features that's been discussed the most. Um, You could, so install it and then deassociate it and sell it or uh, give it away. Uh, Although there was the question of a uh, relicensing fee. Basically, if you bought a secondhand game, maybe mm-hmm. um, you one of the publishers could decide, well, it is a secondhand game, and we know that because of DRM, so you have to pay this much money, which could even be the full price. So that would have killed secondhand. But Microsoft was saying, we're not going to do that. Um, it's a possibility for other publishers if they wish to do it, uh, because they've been screaming that they want that. Um, so basically, if Microsoft Microsoft had come out and said, hi, everyone, with this generation, a question is going to be asked and we want to be ready for that question, which is, what can we do with our uh, digital games? Currently, what we can do is nothing. Once you have it, you, you own it, you can't sell it, you can't lend it, you can't do anything. And we think that's not a a good situation because as we go along and the internet infrastructure is better and better, um, we're probably going to use that that 
mode of purchasing more and more. So we wanted to fix that. And we wanted to say, let's get into a modern uh, view of digital purchases. Let's make it so you can rent it. Uh, I'm sorry, you can lend it to someone. You can share it with your friends. You can, uh, uh, you know, use a disc with the advantages of a digital purchase. Uh, and of course, there are going to be a couple of drawbacks. So for example, when you associate, when you want to resell uh, a physical disc, a physical game, you will have to deassociate it uh, from your from your account. Uh, but we've made sure it's possible and blah, blah, blah. And maybe even don't mention the issues, which would be maybe someone is going to sell a disc that is not disassociated. So they you would get a game that you can't use. And that would be a problem they would need to find how to fix. And the other problem would be, you know, uh, publishers that would make your relicensing fee uh, exorbitant. Uh, that would also be a problem that would have needed to be addressed. But if you present the cool things, it would have been awesome for everyone and including the industry because now we're stuck in 2006 when the previous generation of consoles came out, right? Right, yeah. There were so many opportunities for them to turn this into a positive message if they had just gone down some of those things that you mentioned, some of the positive things that we would have gotten out of this system. But, you know, I don't think... I wouldn't be surprised if somebody on the marketing team and Microsoft said, that's boring. You know, we can talk about TV, we can talk about sports, we can talk about Call of Duty. Nobody cares about digital rights management. Nobody cares about sharing games. That's the kind of thing that we can mention at E3, but let's not worry about that right now. We'll just talk about the high-level stuff, the exciting stuff, and we'll save the rest for E3. Uh, but let's go ahead and hint at it. Um, and then in hinting at it, they kind of opened the door for for we journalists to, to ask some questions. And then the message started to trickle out, not so much through all the positive things, but it, it trickled out through all the people worrying about the implications of those sorts of systems. And what does this mean? And can I sell my games? And am I going to be able to play my games on another system? You know, I like to go over to my friends after school and I like to take my games with me. Is that going to work it anymore? And nobody really had a good answer, so everybody just started expecting the worst. If they had just said something like what you said, it could have taken 90 seconds on stage for them to run down the positive stuff and then thrown some kind of uh, an FAQ online giving you all the details that you need to know. Um, that would have gone over really smoothly. And frankly, it, it would have, in a lot of ways, been a better console than it is today. Uh, that was a lot of yeah. great stuff that they were promising. And then ultimately, when they decided to go ahead and pull it out, rather begrudgingly, you could tell by the tone of the email that they sent out, uh, they just kind of dumbed the whole thing down to the point where we were no better off than we were in the first place. And they kind of nuked the whole system when they could have come up with some kind of a middle ground that would have been a better way to go uh, than what we wound up dealing with. Because the, the big concern was that in order for all this to work, uh, you had to be online basically all the time with your console. It had to check in every 24 hours in order for you to play your games. And that was the big concern for a lot of people, myself included, uh, because internet connections go down, or maybe you are going on an Airbnb for the weekend or for a week, but you want to take your system with you and you don't know if you have an internet connection there, but you want to play some games, you know, things like that. That's a reasonable concern that Microsoft did not address at all. And frankly, all that they needed to do is change it a little bit so that you could still play your games on a disc offline, um, and the rest of the time, in order to do all the other cool stuff, sharing games and everything else, you had to be online. That was all that they really needed to do. Uh, and that was a minor tweak. But instead, they said, no, fine, you don't want it, fine, screw you, yeah. we'll rip the whole thing out. 
Uh, and, and that was it. You know, after E3, we learned a little bit more. And then one week later, they very begrudgingly announced that they're just going to rip the whole thing out. And the tone of that message that they sent out was was very bitter and obviously pretty angry. Uh, but uh, but they did it. They just pulled, nuked the whole thing. Uh, and I think that was very childish of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you sort of uh, uh, mentioned E3 very quickly, but that was about two weeks, uh, a little bit more after uh, the announcement. It was uh, June right. 10, um, and the announcement was May 21st. So they did have a couple of weeks, even more, to make sure that, because all of those questions about DRM and connectivity were asked right after Um, the the press conference and the controversies started mounting at that point. Um, and uh, for example, your article summarizing it is from May 22nd. So it was really within 24 hours that all of this bubbled up uh, and it continued right. for a while. And I know um, through, you know, secondhand, thirdhand information that they were, I mean, Microsoft after that uh, initial announcement was caught completely off guard. They did not expect, at least some the the people making the decisions uh, did not expect it to be to go so badly. And there were, uh, you know, all hands meetings to try and understand what happened. I'm sure, you know, at least a few people were thinking in the company were thinking, well, what did you think was going to happen? We told you and you didn't listen. And that always yeah. happens. Um, and sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And of course, you always remember the times when you're right. But in this case, um, they, they went into E3 and chose not to address all of this again. And I think that was their chance uh, to address it and to fix it and, and to make it clear and to again, again, regain control of the message and turn it into a positive and Even more importantly, uh, the price was an issue as well, but I'm not sure right. it was announced. Uh, yeah, no, it was announced at that point, but mm -hmm. make it uh, 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 give an advantage to the console over the PlayStation 4 because they could have said, yes, you can't do the. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive, but if you have, you know, five friends who all buy five different games, well, guess what? You all share your games and you can all play all of these games. It's, yeah, it's, their, it, their attempt at explaining the cost was the inclusion of Connect, of course, which, which even yeah. though a lot of people bought Connect, uh, not a lot of people actually wound up using Connect. I think a lot of people were not that excited to go out and buy Connect one more time. Um, <laughs> so to have that built yeah. into the system and adding $100 under the cost of it was not something that a lot of people were excited about. And, and Microsoft at that point was very, very against the idea of ever releasing a system that didn't have Connect, and they were talking about how it was absolutely required, it had to be plugged into the system, it wouldn't even work if it weren't there. Um, you know, that was a very different message than we got not that long later when they started to say, okay, fine, we'll ship you an Xbox One without the Connect attached and everything will work just fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they completely missed the message, they completely missed the opportunity to mitigate that negative feedback and by simply being a little bit more transparent and talking up the positives a little bit more. Instead, we had Don Matrix saying, Well, if you can't get online, then you should just buy an Xbox 360 because that's the way that it should go, uh, which was just a very flippant, offhanded response. It was totally insulting to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, no shock. Which two weeks prompted, later, he, was, uh, he was out. Which prompted, yeah, exactly. Um, it prompted the title for an article by TechCrunch, which was, you're not wrong, Microsoft. You're just an asshole. And right. I think that right. encompasses the feelings that a lot of people had um, about all of this uh, uh, th these three weeks. 
it was really well i guess we discussed this already but it was the the attitude that was surprising uh to use mild words yeah they were very tone deaf and very cocky uh and, and they were coming from a position of superiority for sure that the ps3 was too expensive when it launched it was too hard to find the games weren't great um they had reliability issues you know microsoft came from a definite second or maybe even third place position before that to absolutely dominate that cycle of consoles with the xbox 360 and i think they thought that they had a lot of you know, consumer goodwill that they could effectively spend as they went into this launch, and they learned very quickly that that can turn against you uh, on an instant, and uh, and indeed it did. Which was exactly the issues that uh, Sony suffered from at the launch of the PS3, right. ironically, yeah. in which they learned and didn't repeat at the PS4. Um, yeah, Don, Don Metric saying, well, if you don't like this, just buy an Xbox 360 was very similar to, I think it was Ken Kutaragi who said, um, well, if you can't afford a PlayStation 3, just go work more. Um, that was their <laughs> response to the cost being too high. It was, it's very much the same tone. Uh, and, you know, we saw where it got Sony the generation before, and now we see where it got Microsoft. And so uh, around June 29th, a week after E3, Microsoft completely reversed all of their DRM policies, which is the thing uh, that I, I, I'm saddened uh, by the most. Um, they still had the Kinect and the uh, higher price at that point. That that reversal came later. Um, mm -hmm. But in doing so, they basically uh, killed uh, the the conversation about uh, DRM and digital games. And as I was saying, brought us back, not only brought us back to what we were, uh, the place we were at at the beginning of the previous generation, uh, but also shot themselves in the foot, I think, even more, because as we were saying, they had really no advantage uh, compared to the PlayStation since, you know, the the... the Connect had been proven by then to not be a popular feature, and even mm -hmm. more by the time the I mean, our inklings that this was not, in fact, an addition that would be worth a hundred dollars because of the functionalities it was providing were not that uh, impressive. Uh, that was proven right uh, by Christmas twenty uh, thirteen. Yeah, they, they had a system that had really few unique selling points. The television integration was definitely great, but that came at a time when more and more people were cutting the cable and moving away from television and moving to watching Netflix, watching Hulu, watching something like that. And if you're doing that, it doesn't matter if you have an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4, because chances are your TV probably does that anyway, or you can go buy a $30 Chromecast and, and do all that same stuff too. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you had a system that was effectively, in a lot of ways, the exact same as the PlayStation 4, but as we've seen, wasn't quite as powerful. And, you know, still to this day, before I buy a game, I try to decide which system I, I want to buy it for, Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Uh, and last generation, it w wasn't really a question. I always bought the Xbox 360 version if it, if, they were, if it was close. But now every review that I read just about, the PlayStation 4 version runs at a higher resolution, runs at a higher frame rate, is a little mm -hmm. bit cleaner. Um, and so still to this day, they're struggling to, to kind of make up that gap uh, when it comes to performance. Mm -hmm. And really, that's all that you've got to split the, between the two consoles at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, to be fair, those uh, technical differences are very minimal uh, in, a, in a different world where there are actually differences between the, the systems. And right. 
uh, agreed admittedly you don't count the um connect in that in that discussion but many people don't so what you're left mm -hmm. with is no difference except for a few pixels here and there or right. a few bits of foliage in your game and, and if, obviously if, if you're lucky enough to have both systems then why not choose the one where you have you know three more pixels <laughs> it's the same if price. the only difference were that I could not have to get off the couch to change games on the Xbox One versus the PlayStation 4, uh, probably I'd buy more games on the Xbox One yeah. just because I'm a lazy first world uh, individual. But yeah, uh, the fact exactly. of the matter is I, I can't do that because they nuked that feature. Mm. Uh, unless, of course, I download the games. Uh, but most of the games you download actually cost more than the physical retail version. So they're not even incentivizing that. Yeah. Which, I mean, all of this uh, would have had a whole lot more implications than we're discussing here because that's not the the, the exact topic but uh you know digital and and physical games merging uh would have been something with more implications but um anyway so uh, it was fateful that i wanted to discuss this uh today because uh i think yesterday um there was a, a boyd uh, malterer uh, who was basically the guy behind the xbox live uh, who left Microsoft, uh, and that prompted an article uh, on The Verge uh, by Nile Patel, who was saying that basically um, almost every single Xbox executive uh, profiled in the video from last year that was behind the Xbox uh, uh, One's uh, TV and innovative um, uh, functionalities um they have left they have left the company and the subtitle is told you tv was a bad idea i guess everyone agrees to that but what i want to get at now is my assessment of this entire issue was that the pivotal uh, uh, uh problem was the DRM issue. And the pivotal uh, problem in the DRM problem was communication, maybe, let's say 80% communication. So I understand, you know, again, 2020 hindsight, uh, all of that, and it's easy to judge things from here a year and a half later. But still, my assessment is, had they correctly uh, messaged the DRM problems, they could have uh, turned around the entire issue and uh, the Xbox. Maybe it would the price would still they would still have had to lower the price down the line possibly, but I think the entire controversy would have uh, maybe not gone away, but certainly been diminished diminished to the point that they wouldn't have had to uh, do that complete. Well, not 360, but 720. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I agree. They came out looking tone deaf and uh, ignorant of what the gaming market wants and needs, which is unfortunate because, you know, Don Metric, the, the guy who ultimately was the first to kind of take the fall for all this, obviously he would not be the last, um, but he came out looking like he had no idea what the gaming industry wants. But this is the guy who really architected, in a lot of ways, the success of the Xbox 360. So, you know, he knows or knew what he was doing. Um, you know, he wasn't coming this from uh, from the wrong place, but ultimately, I don't know whether he was getting bad advice or simply was, he spent too long, you know, in uh, rooms with no windows talking about features and, and uh, TV <laughs> and all the things that everybody thought would be exciting about the Xbox One and lost vision 
and, and perspective of what people really would be, get excited about. Uh, I don't know exactly what the cause was, but the net result was Microsoft came off looking high and mighty, completely mm-hmm. tone deaf, with, with no perception of what gamers actually wanted. Um, and Sony was given the opportunity to step right in and say, hey, look at all these great games we've got. We've got a real simple system, cheaper focuses Which- games from the beginning, uh, and, and you know, go buy it. And everybody did. Which is, you know, the most ironic thing in the world because Sony was actually technologically the one being tame and sort of uh, (laughs) playing it safe and making uh, things that were not innovative or, you know, and they came out looking like those, the the saviors of video gaming when... I know, yeah. (laughs) And it's such a strange thing because with the, you know, complete role reversal with the PlayStation 3, here was a system Sony was promising, you know, dual HDMI outputs, you could have multiple monitors, um, you know, you'd be able to, they said something about uploading your video games online that would re-render everything in in 1080p video for you. Uh, All this crazy stuff they were promising, you know, rear view mirror on your PlayStation Vita or PlayStation Portable, I guess it was, when you're playing Gran Turismo. All these crazy features, um, none of which, or very few of which ever came to pass. And the message was absolutely not, look at all these great games. Um, But they learned their lesson when the PlayStation 4 came out, and they also watched Microsoft fall on their face. Um, And they came right (laughs) out and said, hey, look at all these great games we've got. And that was all it really took. People just wanted somebody who would make them feel comfortable about um, their gaming habit. And in this case, it was Sony, much more so than Microsoft. Yep. I guess uh, the conclusion of this is make sure you say the right things. Or at least, that might be difficult. Make sure you don't say stupid things. I I think it's safe to be paranoid sometimes. And I think Microsoft should have been a little more paranoid. Yeah. Especially when you're announcing a new console for the next 10 years. Oh, man. Uh, I could have gone so right. I went so wrong. (laughs) All right. Uh, I mean, certainly I don't want anyone to think that, you know, this uh, topic means that we're poo-pooing Microsoft forever. I mean, the Xbox One is an awesome console and I'm looking forward to getting one uh, eventually, probably for Tomb Raider or maybe Halo 5. But um, I'll definitely get one. And as it was for the previous generation, things within one year, things are not set. Uh, They've been coming back strong. uh, And uh, as the PlayStation 3 proved, you know, you can uh, get back into, you can correct things and and do things well, uh, ultimately. And who knows, maybe even those features will come back to the Xbox One, maybe only for uh, digital games, and you'll be able to uh, uh, share them and stuff like that. And there are inklings of this on the PlayStation 4 as well, um, with the share play, but it doesn't mean that everything's gone to the crapper forever. Uh, But yeah, that was definitely not a good start. All right, I guess that will be, however, a good end uh, for this show. Um, Before we do leave you, I want to uh, ask Tim to tell us where we can find him on the internet or, you know, elsewhere, if that's your thing. Uh, well, you can find me uh, in uh, New York physically, but uh, on the internet, best place is Tim underscore Stevens on Twitter. Um, and uh, of course, you can find my writings uh, most of the time at CNET. Uh, you can also catch my column in Auto Week um, as well. But yeah, uh, we'll have a lot of stuff coming up for CES here in the very near future. Uh, and then I'll be off to the Detroit, uh, the New York, uh, excuse me, the North American International Auto Show is the week right after CES. So I'll be covering tech and then I'll be jumping back in the car side of things too. So that's 
just working fine. So you're going to be very tired in uh, January, basically. Uh, I'm I'm still very tired from all the traveling I've been doing the past couple of weeks. So it <laughs> never ends these days. I'm sorry. But at least at least you have your Vectrex uh, to keep you happy. Oh at man, home. yeah. I'm gonna go gonna go play some uh, some horrible Pac-Man knockoff game called uh, <laughs> Cleanup. I think it's called. It's 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 not bad. But all it's right. An obvious Pac-Man ripoff. Yeah. Um, and for me, you can find me at uh, NotPatrick on Twitter if you enjoy my uh, banter. Um, you can also find this show and comment on the show at Frenchspin.com. That's the uh, website where I host all of my uh, productions. Uh, Frenchspin.fr for the French ones, if that's the way you swing. And Frenchspin.com for the English ones, which include uh, Pixels and uh, the Phidias Club, which I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, that's going to be uh, about it for us. We will be back in two weeks, I hope, for another episode of Pixels. Thanks so much for listening and see you then. Bye. Bye.